0: You're listening to Health Dose, a conversational podcast focusing on issues that affect your health. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Today, we talk about the importance of regular colonoscopy for the detection and prevention of colorectal cancer. Our guest is Sarah Diaz, a colorectal surgeon and a member of the comprehensive cancer team at MyMichigan Health. Help those ask Sarah, what happens during a colonoscopy and why is it such a valuable diagnostic and preventative tool?
1: So a colonoscopy is where we take a flexible camera and we insert it into the anus all the way up to the first portion of the colon and sometimes even the last portion of the small intestine. And we take a good look with the camera at the inside of your colon. The reason why we need it is... For diagnostic purposes, if patients are having changes in their bowel habits and we want to see what's going on, but also for screening purposes, we know that colon cancer is very treatable if it's caught early. And part of our job as colorectal surgeons and as gastroenterologists, those are two, the two people who typically perform colonoscopies, is to catch polyps before they become cancer. Mm-hmm. So that's really the main purpose of doing a colonoscopy is to look for polyps and for cancer. So colon cancer comes from polyps. Colon cancer starts on the inside of the colon, typically. And usually it takes anywhere from five to 10 years for an average polyp to turn into cancer. So that's why you'll hear people throw around the numbers five years and 10 years when it comes to screening colonoscopies. So everyone at the age of 45 should have a colonoscopy. If you have a family history of colon polyps or a family history of colon cancer or any hereditary conditions that can be associated with colon cancer, Your doctor may recommend you begin colonoscopies earlier, 40, sometimes even earlier than that. There are other ways of evaluating the colon and looking for colon cancer, but the best way is a colonoscopy because it's a firsthand look at the inside of your colon. Mm -hmm. We can also take polyps out before they become cancer. So even if you have a three millimeter polyp, we'll take it out and we'll prevent it from ever becoming cancer.
0: Because in the case of colonoscopies and and colon cancer, you wanna catch those polyps before they ripen into something really bad. Exactly. And you can do that during the colonoscopy, right?
1: Yep, so we we say it's both diagnostic and therapeutic. Mm -hmm. So obviously diagnostic being we can diagnose things, but then therapeutic, we can take out polyps that we see in real time.
0: How much more effective is the colonoscopy than these home self-tests that I take in the bathroom and mail in?
1: Yeah, so Cologuard is probably the biggest competitor to a colonoscopy right now. And it's very alluring in the sense that you don't have to undergo a procedure to have it done. And a lot of people are still kind of weirded out by colonoscopy is... It's a procedure, you're going to sleep for it, you have to do the prep. The Cologuard does have a false positive rate, so there's a chance that you can have a positive Cologuard test, which then results in you needing to undergo a colonoscopy anyway. Anyway. Anyway, so Cologuard has a 14% false positive rate, meaning 14% of the time patients have a positive Cologuard where they actually don't have a polyp or a colon cancer. If you have a positive Cologuard test, you still need to undergo screening colonoscopy. There's also a false negative rate, meaning you have a negative cologuard It test,
0: could miss something.
1: And it could miss a polyp or a cancer. And
0: that's potentially even a bigger problem yes. than the false positive.
1: Correct. Correct.
0: The big thing about the colonoscopy, first of all, is the prep. And the prep for a lot of people that aren't prepared for it can seem like a daunting task. What's the importance of the prep work for the colonoscopy?
1: So studies have shown that as high as 25% of patients have inadequate preps. What an inadequate prep means is that there's so much stool inside the colon that you cannot appropriately evaluate it. Why is that significant for a patient? An inadequate prep means I could have missed a polyp when I was doing your colonoscopy. It could be such a bad prep that we're actually going to be bringing you back again, giving you more anesthesia, having you prep again, because I can't evaluate any of the colon. So you know, a lot of patients when they're doing their prep and liquid is starting to come out. Mm-hmm. Ideally we're shooting for clear liquid coming out of your rectum.
0: You said it before when <laughs> on tape, you said eventually everything's got to come out of it. Yes, there.
1: exactly. Before I
0: can go in there, everything's got to exactly. come out. Exactly. Right.
1: A little bit of brown, but still liquidy, we can kind of make that work. But if we're going in and we're seeing still solid chunks of stool, I can't confidently say then that I didn't miss a polyp. Mm -hmm. So the whole point of a prep is to get a really good look at the inside of your colon. And it benefits you.
0: Can I do everything right and still it isn't good for you?
1: Yes. So that is a great question. There are certain risk factors that lead to an inadequate prep. Probably the biggest is a history of constipation. So if you know you're one of those people that poops maybe once a week, it's okay. You can say that. All of us do it, <laughs> okay. right? All so, do it. I say poop all day long. Yeah, I'm I know that that word
0: is. I prefer that word okay. to other words that yeah. are are uh, similar. Yeah. But yeah, okay, go with it.
1: So, yeah, if you're one of those people that poops like once a week and it's really challenging for you, and you know that you have a history of chronic constipation, sometimes we have to alter your prep a little bit based on that because mm-hmm. it could take more than the average prep to really get you cleaned out. Mm-hmm. Some neurologic disorders that can lead to constipation, patients who have a history of dementia or Parkinson's disease are also at higher risk of having an inadequate prep. Hmm. Actually, males, too, are at a higher risk of having an inadequate prep. And I'm not 100% sure what the science is behind that. But
0: uh, We're larger on <laughs> average.
1: Maybe you don't follow the we directions follow as well. We don't follow directions as well. We're the ones that are reading the directions. Right. Yeah, the uh, night right. before. Right. Yeah,
0: It's gotten easier, though.
1: Yes. Yes. I think in a way it's gotten easier. Regardless, in order to have a good colonoscopy prep, you have to be completely cleaned out. Absolutely. And there's just no good way to make that happen. Eventually, it needs to look like you're peeing out of your butt. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of the medications have gotten better with how we get there. Mm -hmm. But it's still...
0: It's very important to get the prep right. Yeah. But if something went amiss, what do you do? Do you have to make a call on the fly?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So as a surgeon doing the colonoscopy, I can usually tell within five minutes of starting the colonoscopy whether it's not going to work or Mm -hmm. not. And I would say there is some stuff we can do while you're asleep. If you're like 80% of the way there, but not 100% to wash you out. We have physical water that we use to wash the colon out. But like I mentioned earlier, if there's large chunks of stool at that point, we'll call it pretty quickly and say, hey, we need to bring you back and have you repeat your prep Mm -hmm. and figure out what went wrong.
0: Right. How important is it to follow those prep instructions and make sure that I do it to the letter of the law?
1: I think it's pretty important. So we'll get into the different types of prep, but if you're doing your prep and things are going really well and it's clear already Mm -hmm. at that point, you can probably stop your prep. Okay. If everything is going well and it looks like urine coming out of your butt, that's probably good enough and you don't need to finish.
0: Mm -hmm. When does the prep
1: start? So it depends on the type of prep you're doing. And each physician is going to have a specific type of prep that they want you to do. Typically nowadays they do what's called split dose prep. So what that means is you're going to be doing some prep the night before and then some prep on the actual day of your colonoscopy, depending on what time your colonoscopy is. So typically you'll do half the night before and then the day of, say you have an 8 a.m. scope, they'll have you wake up at 3 a.m. to finish your prep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And studies have shown that splitting the prep into two gives us better visualization. Really? Yeah. And results in a better prep.
0: And is less probably traumatic on the person doing the prepping. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Right. What should you do to prepare for the colonoscopy prep? You mentioned the two-part thing and the day before, which is different from what I remember the last time I had a colonoscopy. So the
1: first thing is to read your instructions a week in advance. This is not, you have your colonoscopy at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. the next day. This is not pull out the instructions at 10 p.m. and try to figure it out. So what I tell patients is try to avoid foods like quinoa, seeds, things of that nature, for a few days before your colonoscopy. Patients who are harder to prep, we'll put them on a clear liquid diet two days before the colonoscopy just to make sure that they are able to clear out all that residual material. I would not be eating a very high-fiber diet the week of your colonoscopy. Okay. And to definitely make sure that you have all your instructions ahead of time and you know exactly when they want you to start that prep. And if you're on the more constipated side, putting yourself on a clear liquid diet two days prior to colonoscopy is only going to be advantageous.
0: So clear liquid, we're talking about broth. We're talking about uh, gelatin. Yep.
1: Juice, jello, broth, anything you can see through. Coffee's fine. Coffee, preferably coffee without creamer. You know, the creamer makes it not clear. Mm -hmm. Uh, So black coffee. Although I think if you put a little bit of creamer into your coffee, it would be fine.
0: Apple juice, but not orange juice.
1: Yeah so orange juice actually I, I I'd have to look at what like what the hospital's definition of clear liquids is. I would think that orange juice would be okay. Mm-hmm. You want to try to stay away from red dyes, because believe it or not, if you, and we'll get into some of the prep, if you use red Gatorade to prep with, then sometimes the actual inside of the colon, the fluid inside is red.
0: And you're looking for red when right. you're in there. You're looking for, for bleeding. For bleeding. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I should not eat a bunch of pickled beets before I come see you.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Or have like uh, cupcakes with blue frosting. Yeah. I mean, anything that you've noticed that changes your stool color, it's going to be the same thing for a colonoscopy prep.
0: What do you tell your patients to do to prep? Actually, your bathroom becomes your favorite room in the house. <laughs> yeah. well, how should I prepare that space?
1: Well, I think going into that, the biggest thing, first of all, is that set aside appropriate time to be at home to do the prep. You should not be working the day before when you're trying to do your prep, unless you're working from home. One of the things I've noticed a lot is patients who have hemorrhoids, which is a very common problem. Their hemorrhoids get very flared up during a colonoscopy prep because of the amount of wiping that they're doing Mm -hmm. and because of the bowel movements they're having. So as far as having kind of your command center in the bathroom, I would have, you know, be consuming water on top of the prep that you're doing to make sure you're staying hydrated. Using wipes instead of toilet paper, a lot of people find that more helpful. Or even after you have a bowel movement, hopping in the shower if you have a detachable shower head and cleaning yourself with a shower head. Doing a
0: little American bidet action Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or
1: if you have a bidet, that's even better. And that can sometimes help, uh, especially if you're having a flare up of your hemorrhoids. Yeah. If you know you have hemorrhoids and you know they get angry, have your hemorrhoid cream available, which you can either use over the counter or talk to your physician about getting a topical steroid for your hemorrhoids. That can also be helpful.
0: I'm going to say phone charger, any (laughs) electronics chargers you need, your electronics, all those things.
1: It's hard because as a colorectal surgeon, I am crazy about bowel habits and how long patients should sit on the toilet and normally i discourage any sort of electronic device in the bathroom because it just encourages you to sit on the toilet for a long time which leads to hemorrhoids and all the not so fun things but i think for a colonoscopy prep i think you're going to be glued to your bathroom so it's probably the one time that i'll i'll be okay with the electronics in the bathroom
0: yeah you can actually there are foods you can eat during your prep
1: yeah yeah so we talked about you know clear liquids and they'll probably tell you to stay on a clear liquid diet the day before your colonoscopy prep and just avoiding, for some reason, quinoa really sticks out, I, especially in patients who have a history of diverticulosis. It's one of those foods where if you've eaten it recently, I can literally tell during a colonoscopy because you'll see you'll see like a little quinoa floating by. Mm-hmm. Any sort of like real grain, corn, corn's another big one. Please avoid corn a couple days before your surgery because that's another one that likes to hang around in the gut.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I would say clear liquids the day before. Get some clear liquid like protein drinks. Theoretically, the colonoscopy prep should not dehydrate you. The type of solutions that we use are we use on purpose because they go through the colon, but they don't necessarily draw water into the colon.
0: Right, which is important because you lose a you can lose a lot of fluid that yeah, way.
1: Absolutely.
0: Am I going to be up all night during, doing the prep?
1: Yes potentially yes depending on how your gut works and the timing of your colonoscopy the next day you might and I encourage patients to be okay with this mm-hmm. it's one day and think about it if you have a normal colonoscopy you don't have to do this again for 10 years right if you have no family history it's funny my mom my mom just underwent a colonoscopy and she had a split dose prep meaning the day before she you know took her and then she was supposed to get up at 2 a.m. to finish. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, I just didn't want to get up. And, and I was like, mom, your daughter's you, a colorectal surgeon. This Do is your, my
0: reputation Do we're talking friend. about here.
1: Right. <laughs> and of course, she had like a big polyp in her right in her right colon. Oh. And I'm like, "Ma, you know, so I know it's inconvenient. And yes, you may be up all night doing it. But just think of it as the more cleaned out you are, the better look your endoscopist, which is another name for either a gastroenterologist or a colorectal surgeon or a general surgeon that's doing the scope, the better they're going to be able to see and the more confidence you can have that it was a good colonoscopy and you truly have nothing inside your colon.
0: And then when you wake up from that twilight thing, tell me about the twilight thing. I still don't understand that. It's not really (laughs) anesthesia.
1: So um, what typically is used is propofol. It's a very fast on, very fast off anesthetic most places are using propofol and you'll have a nurse anesthetist that is administering the medication some places still will use a combination of a medication called fentanyl and versed which is actually administered by the endoscopist doing the procedure it's not as good of sleep as propofol and so that's why typically most people use propofol you will not most patients don't even remember rolling back to the endoscopy suite And it works so quickly, we'll be having a conversation, the anesthetist will inject the propofol and probably within 10 seconds, you're asleep. Mm -hmm. They'll redose it a few times during the procedure, depending on how long the procedure is. And the majority of patients don't have any recollection of the procedure afterwards. Right. But at the same time, because it's fast off, as soon as we stop giving the propofol, you come to it very quickly. Mm -hmm. After general anesthesia, which you might receive for a procedure in the hospital, big belly surgery, Patients have kind of a three-hour fog after that type of anesthesia. With a propofol, I can have a conversation with patients about the results of their colonoscopy within 10 minutes of them waking up from it. Mm -hmm. Most patients, when they wake up, are ready to go home within a half hour. And it's okay to eat afterwards. Oh,
0: and they bring, at least in in the, the, I still remember the Diet Coke and the Lorna Dune cookies. The best thing I've
1: ever eaten
0: in my life at that moment. It was, it was, it was amazing. But you can eat fairly quickly after the procedure. What foods should you concentrate and how soon?
1: So I tell patients that everyone has a little different reaction to the anesthesia. Some patients could go out and have an omelet right away. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fine. Other patients can get nauseated from the, the anesthesia. And so the best is always, you could never go wrong with a clear liquid diet to begin with. Start with, you know, maybe some Verner's. We're in Michigan, right? Have, mm-hmm. have a little bit of Verner's. Mm-hmm. Try a couple cookies, crackers. If things seem to be going well, there's no restrictions as far as diet goes afterwards. Whatever sounds good to you.
0: I think it's important to make the case that if things are normal in your diagnosis, I don't have to see you again for 10 years. It's something I only have to do every 10 years.
1: Correct. As long as you don't have a family history. Mm -hmm. If you have a family history of large polyps, a family history of colon cancer, you're going to be on the five-year plan for life.
0: Let's talk also about the lifestyle factors that may influence or may affect my having colon cancer or polyps.
1: Yeah. So we definitely know there are certain things that we do as humans that increase our chances of getting colon cancer. So obesity, smoking, and consumption of processed foods, especially red meat, these have all been tied to colon cancer. So I tell patients to live an active lifestyle. If they smoke, quit smoking. And then to avoid meat, or at least processed meats and red meats, as much as possible. The amount of data that's starting to be compiled for maybe a vegetarian or a plant-based lifestyle is pretty interesting. And so I think the, probably the less meat, the better.
0: How does such a uh, how does a person like you decide that's what you want to do?
1: It's <laughs> such a great question. <laughs> I always tell everyone, you know, in medical school we do rotations and mm-hmm. my first surgery rotation, my very first case I ever scrubbed was a hemorrhoidectomy with a colorectal surgeon and I walked out and thought who would ever do this? Who would ever go into this? And here I am, yeah. many years later, myself a colorectal surgeon. Yeah, The patients are the reason why I do it. The surgeries are really fun, too. When people think colorectal, they always think just the butt stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't mind doing hemorrhoids, fissures, fistulas. But it's also a lot of big intra-abdominal stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Colon cancer, diverticulitis, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. Patients are so grateful for helping them. And... I was a little burnt out in the middle of general surgery residency, and colorectal was like a breath of fresh air because it was a bunch of patients who really wanted to get better Mm -hmm. and were so grateful when they got better. And needed your help. Yes. And
0: it's good to be needed, and it's good to have the expertise that you can help people.
1: It is. It absolutely is.
0: Sarah Diaz, DO, is a colorectal surgeon and a member of the Comprehensive Cancer Team at Health. This team includes medical oncologists, radiation oncologists, specialized surgeons, interventional radiologists, as well as nursing navigators. Dr. Diaz is fellowship trained in colon and rectal surgery and board certified in general surgery. As always, if you have health concerns or questions about your colonoscopy schedule, the best place to start is your primary care provider. If you need help finding a primary care provider, go to mymichigan.org doctors. I'm Jerry O'Donnell. Thank you so much for listening. Check back again soon for another episode
1: of Health Dose.